Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier. Stephen Chicken here, joined by David Hartrick. No new signings for us on this podcast. We're happy with what we got. We're just glad not to have lost anyone, Dave. Yeah, I had offers, but I've I've committed to the podcast. I was weighing up an offer from Andy Takes That Chance, but ultimately, I, I it's a great bunch of lads. I'm staying where I am. Good news. Everyone's uh, going to be delighted with that, I'm sure. We've got a game to talk about. Uh, it was on Friday now, Friday night, which feels like it was last month now well i suppose it was last month now feels like it was a month ago now but we'll we'll breeze through it anyway because obviously you know we're a football podcast we should probably talk about the actual football huddersfield town one stoke city one and we've already done a facebook live on this but flipping heck it was uh same old story again wasn't it for the recent home games yeah very difficult to come up with new angles on it i think there was this one was a, a bit of a failure tactically if i'm honest around um yeah around the midfield second half but yeah it's getting boring talking about the same issue isn't it (laughs) it certainly is yeah I mean it's it's what we've said a billion times this season which is that they're uh, they're very good Huddersfield Town when they are ahead and uh, sorry they're very good Huddersfield Town when they're behind in games and they're good when the scores are level and then when they go ahead they seem to forget how to play football properly um I mean we asked Carlos about it and we were sort of digging in for maybe some tactical explanations knowing that that tends to be how he skews and even he as someone who will talk about tactics if you ask him you know what his favorite film is um was talking about sometimes I think we forget about the emotional side of football and I think that probably in our football culture we'd probably call it the psychological side rather than the emotional side but uh, amounts to the same thing there does seem to be a bit of a block there there does I I think a lot of it was caused by Hoggy dropped so deep that second half that Lewis O'Brien centrally didn't know whether to stick or twist because if he tries to push on, he's then scared that there's a big gap behind him. And Stoke, to be fair, were were doing what Swansea did and what Coventry did, which was putting a, a sort of revolving cast into the 10 space to, to basically tie somebody up constantly. And Lewis mm. O'Brien, unfortunately, he often goes for the safety option, which is essentially he ends up five yards away from Hogg a lot of the time. And it just drags them so deep that then every time they, they get the ball, there's a pressure on it and they often turn it over quickly because they think they've got to yeah. hit like a 45-yard out ball, which, you know, like one in three works. And it all becomes a bit frantic and a bit difficult to watch. And it, I thought it was a shame because I thought I, I thought Town were okay first half. I thought they were good. And yeah. I said to I think I said to you at half time, and I certainly said to someone else uh, to Mel. I think it was that there was a two 0 win for them there. You know, there was there was a, <laughs> how many times have we done that? Yeah, there was a, a all they had to really do was just keep yeah. keep going, keep doing. But what was yeah. frustrating is like. Stoke mixed it up a bit. They used their subs well. The subs changed the game, I think, for them. Um, it used all his subs by the 63rd minute, which is pretty bold. 
but he got the result. <laughs> you know, mm. he got the result. And I think O'Neill is a very, very good manager at spotting where he needs to plug gaps, and he's very good in game at, at changing. And Town just didn't react quick enough, really. And yeah, it's it's a shame because they're the points that wherever they finish at the end of the season, they're the points you look back on and think, ah, if they could only have turned mm. two of those games into wins, who knows? Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. If they'd done that, they'd be they'd be fifth at the moment, and you're not even talking about other teams' games in hand. Uh, I mean, I'll send Mike. We should send Michael O'Neill the audio of that because he was complaining that no one asked him any tactical questions <laughs> after the game. Yeah. But um, no, I mean, I thought I agree. I think they were good first half. Josh Caroma should have been sent off, but also deserved his goal for the way he played. I thought he had a really, really his best forty-five minutes. He, he wasn't on it quite so much after the, after the break. But as we said, Town were really struggling to get for a spell, struggling to get out of their own half. I don't think it was anywhere near as bad. We said this on Friday night as well. But Coventry, they just got battered yeah, as soon well, as they went ahead. Swansea, it was a bad, a good, really good half, and then a, a really bad half. This, I thought, was more like 25 minutes, where Stoke would just apply more and more pressure, and they didn't change it. I agree. I think Corbrand made his... We, we've praised him for being a bit more adaptable and making his changes better and sooner, but I think he sort of fell back into old habits on this one and ended up making them a bit too late to, to change anything. I don't think Scott High coming on as a number 10 particularly achieved anything i understand why he did that i think he was trying to close the gap between or give give them an extra outpour basically close the gap between the midfield and and danny ward who, who you know as carlos said didn't or jordan rhodes at that point didn't uh get given anything you know they didn't find him with any of their outboards but yeah i i think i mean carlos once again not for the first time this season far from it was left saying you know we did come under pressure but i don't think it's necessarily a defensive thing i think it's what you said they've not used the ball properly it's a vicious and it becomes a vicious cycle because then they're coming under more pressure they win the ball they they panic they give the ball away and once again it was one of those games where they concede the equalizer and then they suddenly look fine again mm. <laughs> and and they look the more likely team to score after that so without to be honest creating anything major so yeah i mean a, a, a disappointing evening overall really i mean i think worth saying we would have taken a, a draw against stoke i think you know they're also a promotion contender yeah on on paper but it's just the circumstances I, that are so yeah disappointing. Uh, like not only did they sort of fall into the same traps there but also i think like everything was going their way because Karoma should have got sent off and didn't. Yeah. It should have been a penalty shortly after the goal. Yeah. I mean, I've I've rarely seen a more stonewall penalty. <laughs> Tom Lee certainly thought it was a penalty. Yeah, he looked he did. at his he face after his face. Yeah, and then <laughs> second half, the Lewis O'Brien challenge. I think is, mm. I think it might have been quite a harsh red, but I certainly have you know to quote a cliche, I've definitely seen them given because it's it's reckless and catches him effectively on the shin pad so it was quite orange cardy in truth mm. so the problem is that you look back and you think well everything was going town's way they get a goal via a massive deflection mm. and they've still only come out of it with a draw and that's where you you can't help but feel a little bit disappointed by it really but i i thought they 
I thought they did okay. I thought you've got to look back at that first half and say they they were good for the one nil the the one goal margin. I think they started well again, which is they've now mastered the art of of getting on it right from the right from the first whistle, which is mm. something me and you used to tear our hair out about them because um, mm. they never seem to get going for the first twenty minutes. So I I do think there's there's positives. There wasn't many to take from commentary and. Swansea was a tough watch that second half but yeah it's just this is one that really is a reflection of where town season has been and where they are in the table yeah. that you look back now disappointed that this is ultimately this does feel like two drop points dropped rather than a, a decent point at home doesn't it yeah very much so I mean we'll get onto the transfer window let's be honest that's what everyone's here for I think we've all digested that Stoke game now and ready to move on and I think We'll start with let's let's start with Jamal Blackman because I think <laughs> otherwise we're not really going to circle he back to him. He's the player everybody wants to talk about. I know, mm-hmm. so let's let's yeah. talk about him for let's give him <laughs> half an hour and then we'll we'll whiz over the other two. Yeah, I mean they needed a backup keeper. Uh, Schofield was injured. I think Blackman's uh, track record. He's, he's played for a fair few Championship clubs. I know you, you've not seen much of him. I saw no. a bit of him at, at Sheffield United and always thought he was fine. I asked our Sheffield United writer Nathan. And Hemingham, he's all right for backup in. He was like, "Yeah, fine." Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just, I was looking at. I, I don't. I have actually, I have actually done one of his games. I was looking back through my notes, and the fact that I didn't make any notes or remember it is, mm. in a goalkeeper's case, is actually quite a good thing. I think because it yeah. clearly means he was just very solid and didn't make any any mistakes. So, but I was digging through his stats a bit, and I know it's not particularly sexy to talk about a backup keeper, but yeah, as number twos go. That's that's pretty good backup, and you know, yet again, it's another very solid signing for no money, isn't it? That's the thing—a very sensible, solid signing for no fee. Yeah, yeah, and someone who Carlos Corbran's worked with before. I, I think just what the other, the only other thing to say on this one really is, I thought it was interesting. Paul Clement's head of goalkeeping was talking about how it takes the pressure off Ryan Schofield um, a bit, having yeah. having him in, and he was partly talking about the injury there, but I think he was also talking about sort of more broadly. I think. It's it's probably not a bad idea for Ryan Schofield to be, even when he's back fit, third choice goalkeeper for a bit, concentrate on knowing that he doesn't have the, the pressure of a match day even from the bench and, you know, can concentrate on, on his training and building his confidence back up and staying out of the spotlight uh, for the time being. I think it's, uh, and it's allowed, it's a topic we'll come back to, but it's allowed uh, Nicholas Bilkapic to or Bilokapic, sorry, to go out on loan uh, to Hartlepool with Jacob Chapman, recalled from Gateshead as well, just to offer a bit of additional cover. So, mm. yeah, I mean, fine. Uh, Tino Andrin has also come in from Chelsea on loan. We This sort of broke from Football London over the weekend. They broke the story on Sunday. Uh, and bit of a surprise, I think, to a lot of Chelsea fans who were worried he might be going to Southampton on a permanent move. He's a, a player that they rate extremely highly. Ralph Rangnick took him to Locomotive Moscow first half of the season uh, in his capacity of director of football there, and he compared him to Kevin De Bruyne. Now, obviously, Town haven't signed Kevin De Bruyne, but I think he's talking about, in terms of the potential and, and the skill set he has, that is where Rangnick sees him, which is incredible praise. I think looking at clips of him play, and I've, I put this to one of our Chelsea writers down at, at FL, and, and, and they see the comparison themselves from a Town perspective. I think he's got more than a bit of the Emil Smith row about him. Yeah, 
Yeah, um, he won't. I don't think he's going to play as a ten unless Carlos Corbran is going to rip rip up the the tactical plan from the, from the first half of the season in a yeah, bit. Yeah, he's he's tended not to like a four two three one. I think mm. in in a year and a half at Town, he's played it. I think twice. And I get um, I get so. that. I think four two three one affords you certain things, but it it limits you in quite a few areas. And I, it I'm, can be quite stolid, can't it? Yeah. It's a very Rafa Benitez stolid one nil type football formation, isn't it? Yeah, and it's four two three one is a formation that it ends up. It can if you go one nil down in a game, four two three one can be quite. You you've immediately got to shift it really because um, it's all about control, isn't it? Yeah, so that then means you need flexible players. So it it means you know anything up to sort of four or five players can suddenly be shifting roles depending on what you go to. So. He like the couple of times I've sort of uh, you know noticed him or seen him, he's come from the left. So that watched him a bit youth level, haven't you? Yeah, he. Uh, I know he can play left or right or as a ten, but when he's played as a left, he's very much uh, like th- think Josh Caroma, not Sorba Thomas. And all I mean by that is he he's half a striker rather than just playing. You know, mm. getting wide, quite direct. You know, he's he's uh, he loves a run. I know there's yeah. some talk about him possibly playing as an eight. I've spoke to a couple of people and they've said he's not an eight, but he can play there. If you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, I think I think specifically in Carlos's system as well, like an eight is is often sort of almost a ten, really. Yeah. Like like because we've seen it with with Lewis O'Brien and especially Danel Sonali when they played four three three recently. They're playing so high, mm. and John Russell did it against Burnley as well. They're playing sort of fifteen yards ahead of of, mm. of the holding number six, which is normally obviously Jonathan Hogg. So um, yeah, I, I think there's there's ways you could probably get him into a three. Yeah, I think if they if they played a four three three, for instance, I I think he goes left of the front three. If I'm honest, yeah. and I think you you. It then, if you sort of have Karoma and him as your players on the left, it gives you you can swap Holmes over because Holmes can do the same role as Sonani's mm-hmm. doing, and suddenly you have more cover that side. You can keep Thomas where he's been most effective, but it, he's he's a very flexible player. And look, he's come injured. He's going to take a couple of weeks to get up to speed. And I know I did see a little bit of criticism of that on Twitter yesterday, and I think. I would say he's a play you you it's worth waiting for because yeah. you know if you're going to have him for the last ten to twelve games of the season, trust me, I think he's an option you you want there. I, the the Southampton talk is very real, and there's still a lot of talk of him going to Southampton this summer. You know, this is a this he's a quality player. He's a, if he's Ch- a quality and, player, and that's if Chelsea would be willing to let him go. Yeah, the fact they sent him to Huddersfield rather than sell him sort of suggests. They, they see a future they, for him, they'd rather well, alone. It, yeah, I mean, there's two ways to look at that. They'll either see a future him, or they basically want one last look at him before they decide mm. what to do over the summer, and they want him to go somewhere he's going to play. I, I think he's exciting on a lot of levels, not least of which because his first name is Faustino. So mm-hmm. all players caught whose first name is Faustino end up being heroes and legends. Faustino A. Um, but, yeah... It, I, I think you don't want to make too much of a young lad coming on loan, but mm. it really did take me aback this one slightly because, you know, he's been a star at England under age levels too. You know, he's... he's remember watching him for the England... Would it be 19s or 18s? 
I can't I, I can't remember which level it was, but there was one level where he was an absolute star. I think he only played maybe five or six games before they bumped him up a couple of age brackets because you know he was he was taking the mick. So this is a good player. <laughs> this is a good player, and it's a bit of a coup town having him here and I don't know if he's going to come back from his injury and get straight up to speed and be absolutely brilliant but what mm. I do know is there is a chance of that with him because he is that good yeah that's it and yeah as you say you, you, you don't want to try and overhype players but I think as far as young players go he's you know the injury aside he's mm. as close to a sure thing as you're going to get I haven't had this from the club but I I do sort of wonder like would they have got him if he hadn't been injured like that's the big question for me and like I think the people that are saying why you signed someone who's injured I think it's worth thinking well probably he was available to Huddersfield Town because there is that factor to it mm. you know um, and then you know we don't know how long it's going to be I believe he's, he's not going to play either of the games this week um, that's for sure and then beyond that it's it's kind of a bit hazy it's a broken metatarsally suffered uh, while he was at locomotive and um, but I think as you say even, even if he's not available till March you know mm. the games that Town have got from from then onwards, you know, it's West Brom, uh, Bournemouth, Luton, QPR, Middlesbrough, Coventry. So and and plus others. Those are going to be vital. You know, those are all six pointers in the promotion race potentially. Mm. So even if he's only available from March onwards, you know, you can't sign a player in February. There's no February transfer window. So. You know, why not take the punt? I think you've got to ask yourself this. Would you take a Premier League player for the last 10 games of the season in the Championship for your squad? Yes, you would. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's it's a no-brainer, really. And as I said, I've no idea how he comes back from the injury or if he gets up to speed or if he finds his, his best form in town shirt. But he is a good player. He is a good mm. player with a long future in the game ahead of him. And yeah. town have already got one of them in the team, Levi Carwell. And yeah. we know how that's going. Here's hoping Tino. I'm going to call him Tino, Steve. I have to call him Tino. Okay. Uh, here's hoping Tino brings a bit more bit more of that as well. Yeah, I mean, I think Colwell was a big miss on Friday. I think he's going to be out. Uh, we're recording this before the press conference. You're probably going to be listening to it after the press conference by the time I've edited and got it got it out. So we'll, we'll find out about injuries, etc. there. But we were told last week that Colwell will be uh, another couple of weeks. So he's got that irritation behind his knee. He's going to have, or will have had by now, an injection. Uh, and they'll be hoping that subsides. He's a massive player for town. You know, that they've conceded more than twice as many goals per game when he's not been in the squad. And... I asked Carl, oh sorry, in the in the starting lineup, and you know, I asked Carlos about that, and he tried to bat it away and say, you know, it's not always about the player himself. Sometimes you have to make tactical adjustments, etc. But mm. it's like, yeah, but come on, he's, yeah. he's, you know, he's he's really good. So obviously, he makes you better. Um, so yeah, and, and the thing I like about Andrew watching the clips is is that ability to to run with the ball. You know, someone one of the I read a piece by someone who's followed Chelsea's youth team quite closely over the years, and they said he's effectively a Ruben Loftus cheek clone. And mm. anyone who saw him in his pomp when he had that that run uh, a few years ago, where he was beating men for fun and scoring goals for fun, um, you know, he's he's six one, I think, Andrew, and he's he's a big lad, mm. um, so he, he loves to to get past people, and that's where I can sort of see him as an eight because I can I could 
from watching the clips, I can understand why you probably wouldn't want to play in there in the Premier League because it's much, much harder to beat players there. But I do think in the Championship, maybe mm. <laughs> you know he can find a bit of joy, particularly yeah, in certain games. That, that's it. I, I think you can play him as an eight, but whether he's an eight longer term or not, I think is very much, very yeah. much up for grabs. I, it was quite interesting to me that they've got Andrew in. Tino <laughs> um, but if you look at the other players they were linked with Fleming Morgan Rogers etc they're all of a certain type which is quite direct they're all mm-hmm. you know they're all very very willing to run with the ball and I think when you look back at some of Summertown's games recently and I think if you look back at the first half of the season there has been a lack of that there has been a lack of a genuine ball carrier in the team that you can get an out to because even Sorba Thomas is he's a sort of knock him, knock it past him and, and sprint yeah. on whereas I think what you've got here is a player who two defenders ahead of him he's not going to be scared about taking them on and he loves that drop of the shoulders that yeah. Stanley Matthews feint that's been working for mm. 70 years now yeah uh, so I, I think it's interesting that they clearly wanted a, a certain type of player to do a certain job and they've got one now so it does hint towards maybe trying to see the season out in a with a slightly different style potentially mm. interesting one and <laughs> the next one David <laughs> you sat here last week I believe you said town don't need a Carolighting type mm-hmm. so they've gone and signed Carolighting just to make you look daft yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the thing was when we were doing that pod and Raj said it to me actually on the Extra Time show. He said, oh, I know you want a creative midfielder because I heard you say it so many times. I wasn't. I was making the point that it's it's we all know they need a creative midfielder and there is that yeah. gap in the squad. But the point I was making was that it, it's very, very difficult to fit that creative midfielder in and it not affect somebody mm. else who's been having a very good season. It's it's not just a case of we sign them, they go straight into the first team and instantly we look better and all our problems are gone. It's it's that midfield two, if you're gonna play a two, is still gonna be Jonathan Hogg and Lewis O'Brien. <laughs> yeah, I think so, yeah. Uh, and if it's a three in a four three three, you've got to think very seriously what you're doing with Sorba Thomas and Danel Sanani, who, you know, we've spoke about the effect that Sanani's had on the team and the the work the figures between goals conceded with and without Sorba Thomas has obviously been one of the stories of town season and you've got Pippa coming back so it's not just as easy as oh we can just put another man into midfield so I wasn't making the point that they don't need a Carolighting type player they do need a Carolighting type player and that gap has existed in their squad but the point I was making was like once they get him it's not going to be okay well he goes straight into the first team and yeah you can't play 12 players we plan our entire game plan around him now we've got the passing midfielder we're absolutely fine it's like okay well you've now got that bottle of player in the squad how are you gonna what what do you do how do you how do you work him in and to be honest with you I'm not gonna parrot your words or get there ahead of you Steve I I complete agreement in how you see him in terms of his his squad role yeah I mean to me the natural thing for him is you know we were talking about they can't you know their inability to play out from the back when they've taken a lead he's perfect for that yeah you know if, you, if, you, if you're in the last 20 30 minutes of a game and you're one nil up 
uh, and you you want a bit more control on the game and you want to be better on the counter-attack, which is something Carlos Gorbran has complained about so many times this season. He even did it after the Forest game when they won 1-0. He, he mm-hmm. talked about we weren't good enough on the counter. We didn't use our opportunities well enough. The one big thing, and we're not going to sit here and pretend Carol Lighting was a sensation when he was at Huddersfield Town previously. He was decent i think he specifically struggled uh that sort of that month or so before his injury mm-hmm. we noticed his form had dipped i think the games really caught up to him which is understandable because he'd never played that much football before he had a lot of injury problems he's not had them this season he says he's come in and uh, and been fit and that he's ready to go straight away but uh, you know, with his history, there's obviously there's always a doubt there, and I suspect that's why it's only a deal until the end of the season, rather than it being a, a longer term deal. You want to see how he gets on. But I think what they have, you know, last season they didn't have the squad depth that they have now, and they were almost forced into playing him every game <laughs> because they were just so. Few, particularly because they had, I think Hoggy got had one of his injuries around that time that we're talking about, didn't they? So, yeah. um, whereas now they can pick and choose when they use him, they can use him a bit more sparingly if they want to. And let's not say he's not going to be starting games. I think there will be games where you probably do want him for the start. Um, but for me, I think that's probably his primary role is you bring him bring him on from the bench when you want a bit of control a bit like you know i think i do wonder if alex vallejo hadn't been injured whether they would have gone for a deal like this to be yeah, honest yeah um but i mean he he gives them that option to because vallejo's out until i think march so they he gives them that option um mm. and that's sorry i didn't finish my point there what item was especially good at uh, when he was in the first half of the season at town before he got his injury, was he was always the first pass. Whenever they had a good counter-attack, it was always his pass that had got them going. You know, in my head, when I think of Karolaitim, I see him just outside the town box playing a ball across to, to Harry Toffolo, ahead of Toffolo for, to run onto, or ahead of Lewis O'Brien to run onto, or Janino Bakuna. And that was what he was really good at. And it didn't always make the highlight real because it was the kind of pass where you start the TV highlights, the, the pass after. But uh, invariably, it was it was him that was getting the play going, and probably Town's great strength at the first half of last season was scoring goals on the counter attack. That's something they've lost a bit now, and could do with more late in games when they're ahead, specifically, and they're coming under pressure. So, I think he's a natural for 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 those situations. Yeah, exactly. I I think that's exactly how you use. Him. I, I don't think he drops into the the strongest eleven. I think if he plays his way into it, then that's brilliant, isn't it? That's exactly what you want yeah. from every single player in the squad is them to force themselves into the first eleven. And but, we don't we don't want to avoid a conversation about Jonathan Hogg either because I think mm, probably both of us think he's been a bit underwhelming this season. Yeah, I, last season Hoggy was player of the year. Player yeah. of the year both, for both of us. He was absolutely. his his stats were frankly a bit silly um mm-hmm. you know like so far beyond most of his contemporaries and certainly anybody else in the town squad he was phenomenal this season he started the season really well i thought but then i i think he's uh, he's at the point of the career where he has a persistent injury that does come flare up every so often and i think you know it, it, he's not He's not the, a 28-year-old Jonathan Hogg anymore, is it? <laughs> That's mm. the thing. Town need options. They need central midfield options. And Iting makes like so much sense. And I'm not... I mean, as I said, please don't take it as I'm against the signing or anything like that. But again, 
I still, although we have to have the conversation about Jonathan Hogg, I still think Carlos Corbran picks Jonathan Hogg in his first 11, certainly till the end of the season. Maybe over the summer there's a different conversation and you look at it a different way going into a new season. And I, I can sort of completely understand that, completely understand that. But, you know, sitting here in February 2022, Jonathan Hogg will start I'd say 95% of town games he's fit for. So the the thing is with him is that like when he's on top of his form and he's at his best, yeah, he's 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 irreplaceable. Yeah, Um, yeah. but the the problem is there are games like the Stoke game where you know to be frank, I thought Huggy was the issue. He he dropped so deep he dragged everybody with him it he was, was weird on the ball as well yeah. even that good first half i you know I, I i turned someone in the press box and said he's having a really weird game it's like a a random pass generator like he'll do he, there are a couple of really really good tackles he made and a couple of really good passes and then there are a couple where it's like what are you what are you doing yeah so yeah it was a bit of an odd performance yeah so i, I don't I, i'll be honest he's been injured it's worth yeah. saying you know he's still I'll, working his way back the other side of this is i think it's worth saying is i'll be honest and I don't think O'Brien and Iting works as a two because they both the the problem is there I think you lose a little bit from each of them to try and make them work as a pair so I, I again I just don't think it's as easy as we've now got Carol Iting he starts every game all our problems are gone we're going to win every game 3-0 from here I think it's I think these are all wonderful problems to have and mm. these are all problems that town need to have a serious side has to have serious discussions about having 14 really good players who all deserve to start every game and that's that's the situation town are getting to and that's good you know and they still haven't paid a transfer fee for any of them that's that's quite remarkable at this point but yeah i i'm i'm excited to see him play again because the uh, the other thing is without again i'm trying i don't want to build these players up too much but we had the privilege of watching him in ground steve when lots of people didn't and he's a lovely player to just watch for 90 minutes you know yeah. just his his movement and the way he drops into space and the the way he just the way he operates obviously you get a very different experience watching it on tv as you do in the flesh and i'm looking I, I, there's a lot of fans there are games that pass him by there's no denying that there are games that pass him by but when he's when he's on form he's just a really mm-hmm. lovely silky player yeah aaron moyesque dare i say it sort of just metronomic level of quality in his passing and in his his movement and yeah you know a few more 90 minutes of that in a town shirt yes please he's a galaxy ripple of a player (laughs) (laughs) um yeah no i'm looking forward to fancying him and i'm i mean he's a lovely lad as well um he's always so polite and um i think he was talking about how he didn't get to play in front of the fans last season and he said he's he's having a hard time imagining what the stadium is going to look like with with fans in it and i i think he's going to be if he's on the team sheet on wednesday i think he's going to be a bit taken aback at the reaction he gets because i wonder how if he realizes just how uh, excited fans are to see him back and how pleased everyone is that he's back yeah and I, I think he'll also be quite excited to try and get back to the things he's doing best because while he was at Genk, he was, uh, he, well, he he struggled over there for lots of reasons. The, the, but he was the reports in, in the reports in their media say neither manager they had particularly rated him. No, but they kept playing him in weird positions as well. One of them mm. was trying him on the left wing, and like you know, <laughs> Carol Lighting is not 
a player you put <laughs> put on the left of midfield. No, he's not quick. <laughs> no, no. So again, it's one of those things where you think if that's it's it's a bit like Johan Cruyff putting Gary Lineker on the wing. You know, if you yeah, think that's yeah. where you're going to get the best from that that player, I, I it's nobody's fault but your own really. So yeah, and the other thing is, I think it's worth talking about is that. And I'm trying not to be cynical here, but Carol Lighting is a great player to bring into this Huddersfield Town squad at this time. And he's also a great PR move because everybody was yeah. absolutely buzzing yesterday. As soon as it, when it first appeared, nobody really believed it and everybody thought mm. it was just another transfer deadline day rumour. When the interest was sort of coming from the right places and it looked like there may be something happening there was genuinely quite a you know like an, an overwhelming ground spell of of joy really about it and that's good <laughs> you know that's a good thing momentum good feeling i hate to use the word vibes steve but i'm going to use it good vibes matter and it was nice to drop him in and it was nice to have him on the evening of transfer deadline day when everybody's invested and keen and yeah it's just it's just fun it's a fun mm. signing isn't it and i i cannot i cannot stress to you how big a commodity fun should be in football Ahoy, ahoy. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, no, it was. It was good to see the reaction from the fans, uh, and it was good to see everyone sort of get behind it. I mean, everyone that I've seen, I've not seen many people saying they've had a bad window at all. I think everyone seems pretty made up, and a big part of that is the players that they kept as well. I mean, we know there was there was confirmed interest in in Josh Caroma, uh, Forrest. We believe we're after him in Bournemouth. We we know we're interested. I think they well we know because they made five signings, didn't they? They shifted their, they shifted their attention to, to other players. They got Tricky Dembele in, for instance, as a, as a winger, and, and Todd Crampwell's gone there as well, hasn't he? So there's a team who are screwed if they don't go up this season. <sighs> yeah. Um. So yeah, they've they've kept the squad together. I think the the leads linked to O'Brien, I think, was always just a bit of ah uh, the newspaper. Some of the tabloids put in. Uh, I think just going two and two five. I'm going to go on record and say I think it was absolute nonsense. I think it was just yeah. something to fill two lines of the paper. I don't from from what I'm the very very yeah. little in the no knowledge I have on either side leads to Huddersfield. I don't think there was. Any there was zero interest in selling him, and I think there was zero interest from Leeds in actually buying him in this yeah. window. It was just it was, nonsense. It was a it was playing the odds, wasn't it? Yes. You know, it's like yeah. a like a cold reader just sticking something out and going, "Well, if this if this lands, and then great, and if it doesn't, everyone forgets." It was also a bit of a lesson in football media without getting too deep into it because it was two sentences in the Sun on Sunday saying Leeds United might return with a bid for. Lewis O'Brien, which it wasn't even it wasn't even in their online version. No, it was just the print version. It was just in the print version, which then got picked up and aggregated by a load of football sites, saying you know Leeds are definitely coming back for him. And it even popped up on my Instagram on a promoted Leeds account. I don't know why that's appearing in my Instagram as blocked. You know, picture that definitely you know Lewis O'Brien is is going to end up in a Leeds shirt by the end of the mm. day. It's like nah, nah, absolutely yeah. zero shot. Yeah, so they've kept the got together that's uh obviously great i think obviously the next thing is try and get those contracts sorted out for harry toffolo and josh caroma all, all sort of gone quiet on on those i do wonder this isn't based on anything i do wonder if that's going to end up a bit like o'brien in the summer where the agent is like let's just wait and see what happens and see what bids we get and then we'll we'll come back to it after the window's closed um mm. i don't know we'll see i mean toffolo for his part has said that he's 
you know, he's keen to stay. And I'll hold my hands up. I, I didn't ask Josh Caroma about it when we spoke to him recently, which is my bad. That was uh, poor from me. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with, with those two. Um, but for the time being, I mean, everyone's, as I say, is just chuffed a bit not to have lost anyone. And even Carlos said when we asked him about it on Friday, he said, you know, there's this position we'd like to sign for but uh you know i'm fairly happy with the squad the main thing for me is we don't lose anyone so to not only not lose anyone but actually add signings in the positions where they needed signings and wanted signings good window yeah yeah i and i think you have to factor in the fact that again town are still to pay a transfer fee steve which Mm. if you look at the squad town have got now which is genuine competition for every place in the squad mm. um we you had a conversation this morning whatsapp you can genuinely put together two 11s now that would mm. be competitive uh, last season you couldn't do that no. like, last no. season that first 11 was nowhere near as bad as some would have you make out some were but you pretending that it was you know town was some pub side it was nowhere near that bad but there was no denying that it, the squad was was not deep enough by any yeah, stretch. the second 11 was poor yeah really and now you have to say that they've bought in what if you count the loans i think they've bought in about 13 players that are all playing yeah. first team football all featuring well, for no money half their second 11 now is players that were in the first 11 last year it yeah. was you know it's Nabi Sar and Carol Lighting and um you know so yeah that's a positive I mean Campbell isn't wouldn't even be in it at the moment no. <laughs> he wouldn't even get Campbell in it, is so. essentially your 23rd player isn't he of the yeah. of the two 11s Campbell is your mm. 23rd player which for a player who played over I think he played something like 43 games last season for the club that's that's quite remarkable really and yeah you, like we we take the temperature of the fans every now and then because we have to because it's part of the part of the job and I think sometimes like it has been very very valid to to criticize Towns recruitment and you can only go on what you see mm. and I know you know Josh Marshall Lee Bromby and others have have had some flack for for some of the some of the transfers that have gone before you don't know whose transfer is whose you don't know who's driven what but you have to say that the summer window and this window, town have come out of both markedly stronger. Yeah. <laughs> now the thing that's the thing what I you always need say on window. I think Josh Marsh in particular always gets a lot of criticism. I've still never met Josh Marsh, I should say, so I don't have any particular personal skin in this game. But the thing I always think with a chief scout is you don't know what players they've recommended that have then been... that then Remember, Town have had a few different heads of football operations uh, before Lee Bromby. They burnt through a few of them in quite quick succession. You don't know if the chief scout has gone and said sign this player, this player, this player, and then the the director of football has gone, no, I don't fancy them, I'm going to bring in my own mm. guy instead. I'm going to bring in Adama Deep Carby instead. So, yeah, that, that that's, that's, I mean, that's not based on anything I've been told, but I just think that that is a possibility that people need to keep in mind when mm. they talk about Josh March. This is it, and I think the recruitment team that is working there, and the thing is, that alone, that term alone, I know the recruitment team has been a term that people have used to sort of beat them with, <laughs> as like an all-encompassing, I'm blaming everyone for it. That recruitment team, these last two windows, has kept hold of everybody they wanted to keep hold of at the club, which is a collective effort, and they've improved the squad both windows. That's mm. that's remarkable when you consider they've spent no money. Now, we know another bugbearer 
the fans again we're not stupid is that they want them to spend money they want them mm. to but it's not there at the moment it's not there for various reasons we know there's stuff going on off the pitch we don't really know anything more than you do <laughs> everybody listening to this pod but there are very obvious reasons why town at the moment can't go and spend three and a half million on Keith for more <laughs> mm. or, i think i think they were willing to spend to a certain point this window but the 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 deals weren't there that the permanent deals were not doable there's no and value so, in january there's no well this there, is it and no when value. you when you can, when you can get an andrin on loan and a carolighting for a free you don't need yeah. to go and spend that money so what as you say there's no value in january you keep that money for for the summer where you can go and, and use it more wisely yeah precisely so you, you the reason bournemouth have done the trolley dash through the premier league b sides is because they're desperate to go up this season they've got a huge yeah. wage bill they they really are under a lot of financial scrutiny on the quiet as well they they have to get themselves up and it's no surprise that they've done the usual championship thing which is i'm going to spend a load of money and get a hot championship striker a hot championship attacker in because we'll just try and outscore everyone a bit mm. you know that's that's the way that to be frank that's the way desperate teams do, do it Town's approach to probably work like, but (laughs) yeah, I mean it will because that's the way the league works. But Town's approach can't be that. Town's approach has to be a squad building one. Like, if anybody needs reminding, they let go this summer of Jaden Brown, Damika Dahami, Tommy Elphick, Richard Keogh, Lutvila, Pritchard, Sonogo, Schindler. Stearman, Bakuna and Benza. I'm trying to think of just first team players that are featured very, mm. very heavily. I can't think of anyone else. I'm probably missing somebody. Somebody will probably pop into my mind in a minute. But they essentially got rid of a of like a near a Jonathan just shy of a Jonathan Hogg and Lewis O'Brien and a Harry Toffolo of a full first team. <laughs> mm. So to be to do that to have the summer to have this window to have not spent any money and to have a squad as solid as it is now i'm not sure it's a promotion squad i'll you know i'll put my hand on my heart all i'm saying is at the moment there is really nothing to criticize in terms of the recruitment you know like everybody always wants more but i think the work they have done is is quite remarkable and i just keep coming back to it they've they've not spent a pound no and i know a lot of people see that as a negative a lot of people hear me say that and go yeah but that's a bad thing but i'm sitting here going I think it's remarkable. They've got this squad mm. and not spent a transfer fee. Absolutely yeah. remarkable. And even you know, even last season's recruitment, which I think we sort of, we quite roundly criticised at the time. Even in there, you've got Danny Ward, who's mm. now doing great. Pippa, who uh, obviously we're not seeing much January. of, and and yes, exactly, Sorba Thomas and Dwayne Holmes, who, who came in January. That that January window that that you know I think probably rightly we've hammered, but there was there was good even in that. Mm. So the key thing is, of course, that you take all this good work that you've done and these principles that you've applied and then if you can factor in being able to spend some money on top of that that's where it you can start to build a like a more sort of promotion looking squad if you know what i mean it's not it's not that i don't think town will go up or they won't make the playoffs or anything it's just you look at probably four of the squads in that league above town and you think yeah they're they're realistically you know their wage bills are absolutely stratospheric compared to town so Mm. they should be the ones that are pushing for those top four slots really Uh, you know one of you look at them and you think well one of them is definitely going to miss out (laughs) so yeah i mean 
excellent window and and you know Lee Bromby as well I think always comes across well when I talk to him really enjoyed talking to him about uh, their loan strategy recently and that's both loans in and out obviously that ties into to Andrewin. Um we talked about how they brought Levi Colwell to the club I would recommend everyone goes and, and reads that um, I think it's from a week or two ago um, I think it came out really well with, with Lee Bromby and Dave Fox as their, their loan manager but we also talked about their strategy when it comes to sending players out on loan and we've had a, a few of them in this window uh, and <laughs> almost wherever you look in the football league you'll find a, a town player now um, so just to run through the list Josh Osterfield and Brahima Diara are at Harrogate Town Kean Harrat is at Port Vale Romney Critchlow now at Plymouth Matty Daly at Bradford Ben Jackson's at Doncaster Nick Belokopic is at Hartlepool Reese Brown uh, doesn't really fit into this we're talking about young players but he's shockingly enough gone to Peterborough um, and that will probably be the last we see of him but I'm told that he's been good as gold uh, in training and you know goes with everyone's best wishes so good luck to him um, and Kieran Phillips is is now Exeter so yeah a lot of players out in in League One and League Two I mean there's there's a few to keep an eye on there yeah um, I, th- I think they're all interesting for different reasons. I think they, I think Town are working the loan system really, really well this year. Um, before we get into that, just just a couple of the more interesting ones. I think obviously Brahima Diara getting some minutes on the pitch. He's the one that lots and lots of people are excited about, and he's already become a little bit of a cult hero over there, Steve. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the fans that really, was, yeah, the fans that was really inevitable, wasn't it? have really taken to him. Um, Kian Harrett started with two goals in his first two games. Romney Critchlow started with a man of the match performance. Matty Daly got a goal in his second performance. Um, you know, Kieran Phillips going to Exeter is a really interesting one because Exeter signed a lad from the National League um, as a, a striker who was he was a very big physical player. And he got injured, I think, in his second game. I think he scored in his first game, got injured in his second game. So Phillips is going in there and he's likely to play as a striker, which is where Town want him. Yes, um, that's why they've but that's, he's that's why they pulled him back from yeah, Warsaw but and he's, sent him back out. He's a very different type of striker to what they had. So that's that's an interesting one too. Um but I I think I think Town have worked the loan system brilliantly this season, Steve. From the point of view of they've been cutthroat at the right time because if you're going to send players out on loan there there's two reasons the first is you just want them to basically experience playing in front of a crowd and and being a professional footballer essentially the second reason is is about development of their game so if you've got Kieran Phillips at Walsall and they're playing him on the left and you want him to play as a striker hook him back and get him somewhere where he'll play as a striker if you want Matty Daly playing more football as an attacking midfielder rather than coming off the bench or just playing in a pop and crisps club cup pull him back and put him at a club where he'll do that and Town have been pretty cutthroat in doing that you know they and and they are all the better for it these players are going to mm. come back much the better for it and I think it's really really good to see because there's too many clubs who send players out and they just they don't settle for what's happening but it's almost like yeah you know well it will do you good longer term no what 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 dave fox said was 
he was at Man U Academy uh, a few years before Campbell, and he went to Antwerp, which Campbell went to a couple of years later. And he said he was there for six months, and after, and he said after four months, United phoned me and said, "Have you got on then?" And that was it. Mm. Like that, that was all the contact he had from them. Um, and Lee Bromby said, "You know, he went to Mansfield, and you just forgotten about." And it's funny, I was talking to someone recently about, you know, Lee Bromby, and I said, you know, the fact that he, on the back of this interview, he, he I said, it's it's interesting having a, you know, someone in his role who's a former player. Yeah. And they said to me, yeah, but I think probably more valuable in terms of the, the youth development in particular is he's a former coach um, and he's a former academy coach and, and knows what these players actually need you know they they were talking about how with Matty Daly they the reason they pulled him back from Hartlepool and sent him to Bradford was they just wanted to keep him on his toes almost and Mm. just make sure he wasn't they said his his issue is that you know sometimes he gets a bit too comfortable and they wanted to send him somewhere where there would be more pressure more expectation and he has to to try a new style of play because he'd he'd sort of cracked Hartlepool's style Mm. so they wanted to give him something different I mean we've not mentioned Romani Edmonds Green as well he's at Rotherham and doing great and my boy you know, yeah and you know again they were talking about how he's gone out not out of any doubts about his footballing ability because they know he can play in the championship but they just felt he you know he needed those minutes and you know he's obviously doing great he's, he's picked up a hamstring injury now unfortunately and I think we're waiting to see how uh, how bad that is hopefully it's it's not going to be anything too bad but you know, the fact that they've looked at Kieran Phillips and they've not just gone, oh, we're happy for you to keep playing on the wing at Walsall, that they've they've gone, right, back you come and we'll send you out to not just a club that will play as a number nine, but a club that, you know, I was talking to a journalist from, from the Exeter end and he said, actually, all of the strikers that Exeter have had, either as permanent or on loan, the young strikers have actually all gone on um, and done really well. You know, oh, they've had... Him. Exactly, Jaden Stockley, David Wheeler. You know, they've all... They've all pushed on. So, yeah, interesting one. Uh, and I, it's obviously a big part of their their policy is getting these loans at the right times. I think they're, they're keen not to just send players out willy-nilly just to get rid of them. Uh, I think if they feel it's right to keep them in the B team, they'll keep them in the B team. But, you know, there comes a point where they feel like it's it's time for them to go out and get that experience. And, you know, the fact they've got... If we were to do a loan report now, <laughs> it would take us about three hours to get through it all <laughs> and write it up. They notoriously take ages to write those things, um, which is, you know, it, it bodes well. You know, I think probably not all of those players are going to have a big future at Huddersfield Town, but, you know, you, you're playing the numbers with it, aren't you? And Yeah. Town you would hope that they can't afford to put all their eggs into one player's basket. That's the thing. You can't go, okay, well, he is the player who we're going to have for the first team or we're going to you know we're going to bring him through and we're going to sell him for an amount of money that's going to pay for all the others they as you said it's a bit of a numbers game and I think you have to be the other side of it is I think you have to be as a club you have to be selfish about it and you have to Mm -hmm. say no we've got developmental goals that we want these players to reach if the environment is not the right place for them to do it then we'll find an environment where it is and Mm. it may seem harsh I know a lot of Swindon fans in particular were absolutely gutted to lose Critchlow but he needed to play at a higher level he needed a bit more of a challenge Mm. he needed to play higher up the league so yeah you know I I I just think they're working it really really well and I think again it's another thing that in previous seasons we've probably looked at and we thought a little bit of what we were talking about early on where they've they've sent a player out just to get him some minutes in a first team and it's 
the value of those minutes it's the importance of those minutes that count and yeah i just i just think they're doing really sensible things with it really sensible things with it it it's good to see them put a lot of stock in the generation they've got coming through and then back it up by getting them out and getting them playing mm. in league 1 and league 2 and it's it's these players will come back better for the experience and you're quite right to say not all of them are going to make it in a Huddersfield town shirt categorically all of them won't you know pro- probably realistically only two or three do mm-hmm. but but this is how proper clubs do it <laughs> this is how sensible long-term thinking clubs do it well the other, the other thing the other factor to think about is can they sell any of these players for a bit of money yeah you know and I'm not talking about millions but you know, if they can sell a couple of players a year for a couple of hundred thousand pounds or, you know, a few hundred grand, then, you know, the academy's, you know, almost paying for itself and you've got a production line and it's extra money that the club realistically hasn't had for, for a long time. And we're talking about, I think sensible is the word because I don't think anyone, I don't want anyone to go away thinking, oh, we're just saying nothing but good things about Huddersfield Town. These are things they should have been doing oh, absolutely, for years, yeah. you know? Absolutely, this this is the thing. This is it's all framed. Your frame of reference is recent history, and if you look at town, I think over the last five years and to what they've done over the last twelve months, I think they're night and day, Steve. Yeah, and you know that doesn't mean they don't deserve the credit for it. Uh, we don't want to sort of go too far no. the other way either. And but yeah, I think you have to say things are sort of are going in in the right direction on and off the pitch at the moment, and it's not just the first team and I think it's I think it's worth pointing that out and you know obviously the, they've, they've got things to work out off the pitch you know the ownership situation is still um, sort of ticking over it's, it's gone a bit quiet there's, there's no updates to give on that really um, but uh, yeah I mean things are, are looking good and you just hope they can sort of keep it going and I think a lot of fans will be worried about as much as they'll be enjoying this season and you try not to think about the summer, I think you do think about oh, when we get to the summer, almost certainly Lewis O'Brien's going to finally get that move. You know, are people going to be in for you, Josh Carome and Silver Thomases? But I think Lewis O'Brien in particular is going to be almost impossible to replace, but they just need to, um, you know, it is what it is on that one. But I think they've got a track record now from the past couple of windows and some of the signings they've made, even in what you would otherwise say were pretty bad windows, you know, we, we mentioned Silver Thomas there, but even previously, you know, you think about likes of Carlin Grant, for instance, in that second mm-hmm. Premier League season. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think... Like, There's a bit more trust now that, yeah. that where, if those players go, they'll be able to yeah. do something. I mean, it, I think you can replace Lewis O'Brien, but I think you sign Oliver Rathbone and one other. I don't think you can replace him with one player, if you know what I mean, because I just... Just get Luke O'Neill. Yeah. That's what I... <laughs> Uh, but is um, uh, again, it's trust, isn't it? You've just said it, and that's not to let anybody off at the club for some fairly rotten recruitment in very recent history, too. But you have to say that the signs are looking good. And the thing about like having the loan system discussion, and the thing about the the B team and having some prospects in there, you've got to understand that a lot of that is as a result of things that have been done over the last three or four years that you haven't yeah. seen. You know, they're yeah. sort of putting the bill in blocks in place that only pay off a few years down the line but at the same time now we're at that point it's absolutely right and proper to turn around and say do you know what this is okay this is good this Mm -hmm. is what a sensible proper football club does 
and should mm. be doing for the next 10 to 15 years you know it, it, exactly this and i think the other thing is that if you start worrying about the summer because you know like feasibly in the summer town are going to have to replace levi colwell which is going to be massive they're yeah, going to have to replace yeah. lewis o'brien which is going to be massive there's probably going to be somebody else maybe a sorber maybe a josh caroma they're going to have some some huge problems in the summer but you can't think like that right now <laughs> when you're yeah. when you're yeah. what seventh in the league you've just signed Carolighting, everything's going well you, you've got to enjoy the moment you know you can't yeah. you can't yeah. constantly be thinking about problems you're going to have in six months just enjoy what's happening in front of you right now so yeah it, it's it's going to be a big summer no denying that whatsoever steve but uh they've done well they've done well mm. and it's absolutely right and proper as two people who do criticize the club in print and on here when they need criticize and it's also absolutely right and proper that we both say yeah do you know what this is good well done yeah derby in midweek and then barnsley at the weekend i mean the fa cup i think everyone will be expecting a win against barnsley you'd think probably both teams will, will mix things up a little bit um but derby is uh is a tough game i think we mm. touched on this last week but they've got one of the best defenses in the league they're going to come and try and nick a win but they are going to be trying to win because they have to <laughs> yeah. the position they're in they can't they can't be looking for draws i mean that that could be quite a tough game very <laughs> it i it's i i'm nervous about that game because i think derby are uh, i think derby are a good side but they're playing with uh, a real fire in there soul um for for lots of reasons we won't go into it it's they have to come and try and win every game you know you you saw what happened at the weekend birmingham into a 2-0 lead derby just rolled the dice and absolutely went for broke and came out their point so town are not going to be comfortable at any point of that game is the thing um and yeah it's the difference between that and the Stoke game is I th- I always felt before and I thought Town could win that game, whereas the Derby game, that's the game I look at and I think, do you know what, I'd snatch your hand off at a point. Yeah. A point would be very good out of that. I mean, they've beaten just in the past few weeks they've beaten Sheffield United they've beaten Stoke um, they've beaten West Brom and going back to the end of November you know they've beaten um, Bournemouth and but drawn then, against Fulham so they play like desperate men because that's exactly what they are and mm. I think that's that's dangerous very very dangerous mm. for town yeah and particularly with that record against sort of the top mm. top 10 sides they're uh, yeah could be a tricky game I think uh, as you say I think let's be honest if they do get a draw everyone's going to be annoyed <laughs> um particularly after their recent home draws i think fans are going to be wanting a win but yeah i think you and i are sitting here with the not with fan hats on and going mm. but if they get a win fantastic uh yeah. and we'll, we'll see where we get to yeah just before we go can i just mention something hmm. um i was was one of the 1198 people who was at the town ladies fa cup game course, on sunday yeah. at the john smith's um against everton and town lost 4-0 which which looks a bit of a hiding on paper that doesn't really tell the story everton are fully pro their fitness compared to towns was understandably yeah. streets ahead but that was that was the real difference i thought town were absolutely magnificent on the day and yeah credit to each and every one of them because they they kept going there was some the goalkeeper was was really really good i think she plays for northern ireland as well northern ireland mm. ladies um and there are a couple of huge defensive blocks throwing themselves at the mm. ball it was it was a very very enjoyable experience very very enjoyable game to watch and and all credit to them i thought they were they were 
utterly magnificent, every one of them. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I would love to have more time to, to cover the women's side of the game. And unfortunately, since since Mel's gone, it's not something I have really the, the time to do anymore. Um, but I hope that, that people that, you know, the, the as you say, record attendance at the John Smiths, mm. I hope that at least a few of those fans will become regulars for their for their league games. That you know they're they're doing really really well as they tend to do. That you know they they're one of the leading sides in in their division in the third tier. And uh, yeah, get down and watch town yeah. women whenever for- you can. It's it's a great day out. Women's foot. I mean, I was I used to do a lot of work for for Donny Bells, and you know it's it's a great day out. It's a completely different feeling to being at a men's game, mm-hmm. but in all the good ways. It's a very friendly, yeah. very welcoming environment. Just just for some perspective, some people who may think, yeah, but they still lost four now. Everton turned up in a very swanky coach. They they're a professional club, full time professionals, full time professionals. Yeah. They had an England international who came on as a sub. Yeah, Izzy uh, Christensen was one was. The the best player in England four or five years ago. Yeah, um, and Towns uh, women still pay to play, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So that's that's the difference there. So to to lose four nil was was absolutely no disgrace whatsoever. And honestly, I thought they were brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, Dave. Thank you for reminding us of that as well. Uh, we will see you again next Monday on Utopia Terrier. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.